1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. It is Wednesday. It is January 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Opening up the phone lines for you, 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls today around 11.30 and 12.15. Once again, that's 602-260-1060. But first, let's get the show started with setting the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins Saturday's NFL playoff game at Houston between the Browns and the Texans? And, well, Bob, the love for the Browns continues with 100% of the vote. Yeah, and that's been uh, certainly the betting market uh, agrees with that. You know, the Browns open one-and-a-half-point favorites. They're up to two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, the storyline is going to be, in fact, I saw yesterday on NFL Network, uh, you know, Flacco and C.J. Stroud had their media days yesterday because it's a Saturday game, and Flacco was asked about C.J. Stroud, and he talked about how he watched him at Ohio State and so forth. You know, they played just a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, Stroud was still sidelined with a concussion in that game, and Flacco threw for like 5,000 yards in that game, uh, including the huge game for Maury Cooper, which uh, helped uh, a lot of fantasy teams, as we discussed in the last hour with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. Yeah, and if you missed that interview with John and Bob, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. We'll answer that question around 12.30 today. Another question we'll answer around 12.30 today, that being the X-Poll question at KDOS AM 1060. Do you believe Draymond Green's commitment to play without the antics? Quote, without the antics, as that's what he said in about a 30-minute press conference yesterday. The masses are on the no side of things at 88.2% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 11.8%. Yeah, he didn't shut up. I saw a little of that press conference yesterday. You know, the questions were extremely long, too, which is maybe one of the reasons it was a 30-minute press conference. But uh, he claims... Uh, that uh, he, uh, is, he's committed to play without the antics. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Right now it's been a 12-game suspension. I don't think it's etched in stone that he's playing the next Warriors game, but uh, you know, he's back practicing, and uh, the NBA reinstated him last weekend. Question will answer around 1230 today. As I mentioned, 602-260-1060 is the number. 1130 and 1215 will be your time in today's show. Before we get into uh, the coaching changes that have taken place around the NFL, I wanted to go back to the Arizona Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, meeting the media on Monday in a recap press conference, dove into plenty of things 
uh, which he talked for over 28 minutes. And I thought there were some important things to take away from what he had to say, uh, wrapping things up in his first season as head coach with the Arizona Cardinals. First up on the list of things that caught my attention, the question here was, how have you grown in the role of head coach? And he said, uh, yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot and there is a lot more that I have got to learn. I got that detailed out already. Honestly, the people in the building helped me a lot. The staff, everybody in place in that building, Michael Monty, they really helped me a lot with a lot of things we had to navigate this year. When you got good people, you listen to them and their opinions, and then you make a decision. I'm grateful for the people in the building. I will piggyback that off of with the next question. How would you evaluate your own performance throughout the season? And he said, I'm a pretty bottom line guy, so not good enough, truthfully, 4-13. and 13. But what we set out to do to get ourselves operating in a way that I think is fit to win football games week in and week out, I think we did that. I think the players, the message, the standard, the things we talked about, hang our hat on it got through and they kind of carried that throughout the year but a lot of improvement needs to be made yeah i think the one thing we learned uh at least i learned from watching uh, jonathan gannon at least during games uh he's rather stoic on the sidelines um and it lets uh, seems to let his assistant coaches coach uh we've uh He's in a division with guys that are wild. <laughs> yeah, Sean McVay and Pete Carroll are like running marathons over the sidelines during games. And then you've got uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, nobody bothers him during a game. Um, and so, yeah, Gannon's just kind of, uh, you, know, in, you know, not necessarily in the middle of that. But, I mean, it rarely did he, like, I don't remember really any tantrums that he threw in, on the sideline during a game, at least the home games I attended. Then I don't remember any, uh, you know, television uh, antics that uh, they showed during the, te- during the broadcast and so forth. So uh, I think that's the one thing that I learned just from observing him during games this year. Stoic is definitely a great word there to use. Uh, and then just his little mini note card. That would be true. I, I want to see what's on that note card, though. <laughs> That's the one thing I want to see. I've never had an opportunity. You know, maybe if, you know, if McGinnis were still around here. But, you know, I love the, these play sheets that these coaches have. You know, some of them, you know, like Mike McCarthy has like a you know, dinner menu at like, you know, the largest restaurant in the world for his play sheet. And I remember the contrast that completely. It was when Mike Leach was a college head coach. He had like a little, you know, like almost like a post-it note of what the players were going to be. So I mean, I'd like to see one of those and just you know, have them explain what's going on and how that all works. Absolutely. Uh, But I guess when you don't run the ball and you eliminate um, like half of an option for offense, you don't need a a large play sheet. That's a good point. That's true. Uh, That that, that certainly was the case for Leach throughout the most the majority of his career. Running the ball was kind of like a. Yeah, the last thing that he wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) The next takeaway here from Gannon, uh, he was asked the feedback that the players gave to him, and he said, uh, appreciative. They had a good time, I think. They enjoyed the process, enjoyed the standard, the accountability, the competition. I asked them, it's funny, when you ask for criticism, I say, give me some 
critiques on me. It's funny what you hear. It just goes to show you, you always got to stay in contact with the players. You never know what they're thinking. But I got some really good feedback and some other guys that were kind of shocked that I asked that. I said, when it hits your brain, just shoot me a text because that's how you learn. And uh, when criticism comes from a place of care and love and wanting to get better, it's very easy to take. So the guys that I'm asking that, I understand that their critique is coming from that type of place to where they want to win football games so we all have to improve yeah this was somewhat refreshing uh and we've uh, rarely used the word refreshing from anything any of the cardinals coaches or executives have said since they've been hired here because it's just been kind of a coach and gm speak which i don't blame them for i've always pointed that out too I mean, they know that they have a you know, garbage roster, quite frankly, and they're not going to come out and say that, but uh, they did the right thing by starting from scratch and totally rebuilding for this year, and I think probably for next year, too. Uh, so that was good, but um, this was a refreshing take of what we've often heard during the regular season. Uh, then the next question that caught my attention, did they identify players to build the team around? The question or the answer here from Gannon, yeah, I think so. The roster will be different every year. You know what I mean? Every year, new team, and I told them today, you got to start from scratch, and you know that's what we're going to do in the offseason. And then when they get back in the building, training camp, you know all that stuff. Yeah, I think we have a lot of guys that can play winning football and impact the game in a positive way. I disagree here. I don't think they have a lot of guys that are going to make a huge difference down the road. And, yeah, for uh, I mentioned this last week, and I'm guessing I'm going to be mentioning this to the fact that people, maybe they're already sick of me talking about this at least three or four times in like a six or seven show span here. I think that this roster uh, from the start of last year and uh, you know, training camp, or at least this, even the start of the regular season, I don't think there's – I think there's 25% of what we saw at the start of last season. I don't even think it's going to be 25% of those guys are going to be back this year. They said during the broadcast on Sunday that if you go back to what the – you know, when Monty Fort was hired, that the Cardinals have made 300 roster moves this year in the calendar year. Holy moly, 300 roster moves. That's a lot. I know – that uh, they ended up starting probably like the most rookies of anyone uh, in the NFL this season. Yeah, I didn't even know that part. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, you're talking about the off season and stuff too. So obviously, there are a lot of changes there. But yeah, literally every week, and I'm not. I think they're doing exactly the right thing. They're just trying to find players who might be able to help them in the future. And might is the key here. And, you know, there were three or four you know, roster moves and practice squads and claiming players from other practice squads every week. And that's what they should be doing at this point because they're just desperately looking for anybody that can maybe help them win a game or two in the future. Yeah, when I going back to uh, the question that Gannon had about how have you grown in your role as head coach and when he answered it here with, uh, you know, Everybody in place in that building, Michael, Monty, they really helped me a lot with a lot of the things we had to navigate this year. My brain immediately went to personnel, roster, et cetera, just trying to kind of uh, get a team ready to go each week. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, true serum out there, they realize that they have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. And that's, you know, partly because they inherited the mess. 
and they got rid of a lot of the uh, you know what they just uh, guys that didn't want around here anymore for whatever reason, and guys that probably could have helped them win an extra game or two uh, this past season. But uh, I think moving on for the most guys was the right thing. I think their their structure and their process. I hate that word usually, but their process from the start, as soon as Austin Fork got the gig and then Gannon was hired, I think they've done the right thing to this point. They, yeah, they understand that they're not good, uh, and they're just trying to figure out how can we get better. And you, know, you would hope that they're going to get a little better next year. Uh, unfortunately, you know they got the you know, you know the draft pick. Uh, you, you usually when you win four games, you got a pretty good thought that you we're going to have the first pick in the draft. But there's so many bad teams in the NFL right now that uh, they slid to the fourth pick. Quarterback Kyler Murray had some glowing comments about uh, Jonathan Gannon and just kind of, uh, you know, similar things that he echoed in his postgame comments. And so Gannon was asked about that and just kind of overall his confidence in Murray. And he said, I didn't see what he said, but he knows you're the franchise quarterback. He's a big time leader of this team. And I uh, won't tell you all the conversations we have had, but he knows he's the closest thing to me out there. So I want him to operate in a certain way. He's went above my expectations for what that looks like and I think he's only going to continue to get better and we got to get better together and he will well this is the one topic that I'm not completely believing what we're hearing from Gannon or others involving within the Cardinals organization I I can't imagine there are many I guarantee you there's not many people in the NFL that actually think Kyler Murray's a franchise quarterback no matter where he's at uh, from what we've seen for the four seasons in the NFL. I can't imagine that anybody other than you know, maybe Murray or best friends or somebody that just want to lie to him thinks he's a franchise quarterback. Uh, but I think also the Cardinals realize because he didn't play at anything more than above average level this season, they are, quote, stuck with him. That's my quote. Uh, not necessarily theirs, but I think they're stuck with him because nobody is going to trade for him with his contract and based on his play for this year. The question then next to Gannon that caught my attention was, where do you want to see the offense improve? And Gannon answers all three phases. I want everything to get drastically better. Yeah, I want the offense to get drastically better. Yeah, and I'm pleased with where they're at. But yeah, I want to be able to do things at a higher level. Everything that we're doing situationally, we got to do better. That falls on me. Mixed downs, pass downs, all that stuff. Operation, use of personnel packages, everything. So we'll take a critical eye at everything. Totally agree with this. I, unfortunately, the G.J. Humphreys uh, injury, uh, which uh, almost certainly is going to go into next season, uh, is, I think this just kind of changes their whole dra- you know, free agent slash draft plan heading into the offseason. I, I would imagine that they had a pretty good idea of what they wanted to do. Uh, and then when he went down in week, whatever that was, 16, 17, I guess it was 17, the next to last game, I'm guessing that they kind of had to scrap that idea and uh, redo things, and I assume they're going to be redoing that uh, for the next few weeks. 
Well, update on DJ Humphreys. According to Gannon, uh, I don't exactly know. Within the next month or two, he'll have surgery, and then he'll start the recovery process. He's got to let the MCL heal before they go operate on the ACL. So that's where things stand with an update on DJ Humphreys. He was next asked— yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's safe to say that there's got to be pretty close to zero chance he's going to be ready to start the season. Oh, yeah. I mean— Kyler Murray went down in, you know, uh, December and yeah. wasn't ready to come back until October. I will say one thing. I think it's a little different for a quarterback who depends on his mobility for his uh, large, large part of his success than it is an offensive tackle. Speaking of offensive tackles, he was asked about Paris Johnson Jr.'s versatility as Paris Johnson, when he was meeting with the media in exit interviews, uh, was saying that he plans on training this offseason at right and left tackle. And it was a short and sweet answer from Gannon. He can do it all. We'll do what's best for the team. Yeah, this is another area I differ with what the Cardinals seem to think of Johnson, who I didn't think was a left tackle or a tackle period. Uh, when he was drafted out of Ohio State, and uh, he clearly, this is inarguable, Johnson was a more effective offensive lineman at the college level in his two yard, two years excuse me, as a starting guard at Ohio State than he was a tackle. He wasn't bad at tackle, but you know they also had an offense where C.J. Stroud really understood where he wanted to get the ball. And there wasn't like uh, they had it was they did not have a quarterback at Ohio State that just sat there and held the ball forever and made things difficult for a tackle. So you know basically their two tackles last season at Ohio State in 2022 at Ohio State Johnson and then also Jones on the right side, they they were excellent run blockers and did not have to you know basically pass protect for as long a period of time as most left tackles and right tackles in college football. Can Michael Wilson's role increase was the next question that piqued my interest. Gannon's response, yeah, I think his role can increase. I really do from where he was at, where he was at in OTAs to where he's at now. Completely different football player in my mind. That's a credit to him wanting to get better every day. I don't think anybody is questioning the skill set of Wilson. However, considering his college career at Stanford, which was more than one injury, and his career this year with the Cardinals, his rookie season with the Cardinals, which was more than one injury, the Cardinals will be making a massive mistake if they actually think that they can count on Wilson to play a 17-game season anytime in the near future until you actually see it. The status of Marquise Brown as he finished the year on IR. He also is set to be a free agent here. Gannon's response, he had a great talk with Hollywood today. Obviously, no, we want him back. You know, and I know there is an economic side to the NFL, too, and he knows that as well. But I know he can be a premier player for us, and I'm excited about what the future holds for him. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Brown because I don't know what's the market for him. I mean, I think there's got to be when he, before he came here, you and I have talked about this frequently the last couple of years, including last week is before he got here, at least my perception of him is he just basically was a guy that ran go routes and Lamar Jackson just heaved the ball down the field. You know, it was pretty apparent as soon as he got here, he's much more than that. I mean, he can run routes uh, he's he's a good player when he's on the field. However, 
he's had some injuries the last few years here now and uh, throw it together. And I, I have no idea what the market is for him. I would assume that if it's, you know, the Car- Cardinals certainly have cap space, but I'm not sure if you want to you know spend cap space on a wide receiver who has not been healthy all the time. And it's a wide receiver. Uh, so I'm if if he comes for a if he gets a, a a hefty offer quote unquote somewhere else I can't imagine he's coming back here. The last two things that caught my attention here was uh, one question about the coordinators. Where did you see Drew Petzing and Nick Rollis improve the most? And Gannon said, uh, you know, I don't know if it's evolving, but I thought they both called heck of the games on Sunday, really. But I would say in that their chair for the first time, having sat in that chair, obviously not the offensive coordinator, but the defensive coordinator for two years, their competitive stamina. And what I mean by that is hard the way that I want to play. It's hard week in and week out to do that. I found it challenging for myself and every week they took a shot at it and were creative and took a critical eye at everything and what I asked them to do and put together the plans and the staff is included in that but those guys are obviously running the show and to have that kind of competitive stamina that they did to do that to give ourselves a chance to win I was honestly in a little bit of awe that they didn't run out of gas. I look forward to those guys getting better in their roles and helping us win games. I like the competitive stamina phrase. That's excellent uh, because, let's face it, especially on defense with Rollis, he had a garbage roster. I mean, he had not. He had nothing. There's not, there's a bunch of dudes that were playing, yeah, really from the start of the season uh, in the original starting lineup that really shouldn't be in the NFL, let alone starting in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, I, I have a tough time evaluating Rollis as a coordinator because I just don't think he had anywhere near a full deck. You know, other than Clark at linebacker before he got hurt and you know, Baker and Thompson in the secondary, I don't really think he had any difference-making players. Zero than the rest of the defense at any point this season. So I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to evaluate him. I actually think that uh, you know, Petzing uh, did the most of what he had, and they had some players that could make some plays. Unfortunately, some of those guys couldn't stay on the field health-wise. And finally here, was there a specific game that you look back on like, that's the Cardinals I want to see? And he said, that's a good question. Results-driven anytime we win, but I think week in and week out, prepare the right way, practice the right way, approach the week the right way. That's my vision of this moving forward. That's what I want it to look like. Well, I can't imagine what he didn't – what he really wanted to say is when we went to Philadelphia and we kicked their ass because I was there last year and that team's a mess. So that that's – you know, what he, you know, some shape or form, I'm sure, not to those extent, not to that harsh extent that I just mentioned, but that's got to be the game that stands out for him for a number of reasons. Obviously, there's going to be a lot for the Arizona Cardinals in the offseason. Gannon, Monty Austinfort and company getting themselves ready for their draft selections, free agency moves, etc. So plenty still for the Cardinals. We on the other side of the break are going to turn our attention to coaching vacancies around the league. Uh, One more name was added to the list yesterday. We'll start there work our way down through the rest of the teams and kind of where those teams are at, whether or not 
you feel like you have a strong quarterback in place, the division, etc. We'll touch on it here in the extra point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Yesterday, the Titans added a vacancy to the NFL head coaching openings. Moving on from Mike Vrabel. Vrabel became the head coach of the Tennessee Titans in 2018. In 2018, the team went 9-7 and and they finished third in the AFC South. In 2019, the team also went 9-7, and finished second in the AFC South, but they went 2-1 and in the playoffs, losing to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So they had a bit of a run there in the playoffs. In 2020, 11-5, first in the AFC South. They did lose uh, in the wild card game to the Ravens. So they went 0-1 that season. In 2021, they went 12-5, first in the AFC South once again. They lost to the Bengals in the divisional game, going 0-1 in the playoffs that year. Uh, so then in 2022, uh, 7-10, and 2023, 6-11. In total, Mike Vrabel's coaching record, 54-45. and In the playoffs, he's sitting at 2-3. and yeah, I wouldn't really pay attention to what happened the last two or three years. There are not, there's maybe no more than like four or five teams in the league that have a worse roster in uh, than the Titans have had in the last few weeks of this season after they had some some of their key guys got hurt during the early part of the season, and they didn't really do a very good job of restoring the roster from a year ago. A couple years ago, they had a very good roster. They lost players you know, to retirement, injury, both in some cases. And I think they just did a horrendous job, especially in the offensive line and secondary, with obvious needs of not showing and not getting major improvement. I know you were onto this much more than I was. I and mean, you mentioned this possibility last week, and I thought it was crazy. Uh, but you know, I didn't realize until yesterday that yeah, you know, he apparently has like zero relationship with the general manager. Uh, you know, they just brought in a new general manager from you know, San Francisco at the end of last year after Robinson was fired. And you know, the Robinson, I thought, actually made some pretty good draft picks, but he made a couple of not good draft picks at all towards the end. Uh, so it seemed like that there was not going to be a compatible compatible relationship between GM and head coach. So Vrabel's available, and uh, as I mentioned in the sports zone, uh, yeah, he has, I'm sure, a choice of where he wants to go, assuming he wants to continue to coach, uh, at least in the short term. Uh, I think the best place for him would have been Chicago, but Chicago announced this morning that Eberflus is going to stay. They fired basically everybody that had anything to do with offense or, or that same announcement this morning. But uh, – yeah, that, that would have been a great place for him. And I think the Chicago fan base would have loved Mike Vrabel, who's a football guy and so forth. That would have been a great marriage, a, a good 
good personnel in Chicago. Draft situation is tremendous, obviously, uh, for this upcoming draft. And that would have been the perfect place for him. But uh, we'll see how it ends up happening with him. There was this video circling around on the social webs yesterday, uh, you know, the speculatory nature of when the relationship soured. And it was the video of the draft in which they traded A.J. Brown. Uh, and th- it shows Mike Vrabel, like, getting up and kind of, like, walking and, like, cooling off a little bit, taking a deep breath and then coming back. Uh, and then, obviously, well, as you talk about a was, change in talent yeah. there. Right, and that was a two. That was two general managers ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was Robinson. That was kind of the downfall of Ro- the the final nail for Robinson not returning after the 2021 season. Uh, you know, 2022 season. Twenty, I got my years all mixed up now. Uh, 2022 season. Uh, so you know that was from then. But you know they hired the dude from San Francisco. Apparently, they have no working relationship. Uh, So when we look at the current situation for the Tennessee Titans, when you isolate it in on the quarterback situation, uh, obviously Ryan Tannehill is a free agent, not expected to be back. They'd be moving into year two with Will Levis Uh, at the running back position, likely moving on from Derrick Henry, who uh, is a free agent this season. Their wide receiver room, DeAndre Hopkins was the leading receiver, 75 catches, 1,057 yards, seven TDs, but he's likely not to return as he was on a one-year deal uh so then you look to Traylon Burks Nick Westbrook Akine uh so there's like a lot of question marks on this offensive side of the football and they're worse on defense they're terrible I just mentioned they're one of the five worst rosters in the NFL and uh, I would want no part of this job and you know not just the personnel thing but you're going to go work for an owner who just decided to, you know, basically fire one of the best head coaches in the NFL and, you know, over and, and obviously made a decision. And he's taking uh, uh, she, excuse me, he's taking the general manager over the head coach, which uh, and the general manager had never been a general manager before this past year. And I don't think that the, really they did anything to you know, help the personnel. Not at all. Uh, this season, so I, I have no idea why would anybody want this job. I understand there's only 32 of them, but you know, if you have a choice amongst uh, head coaching candidates out there, this has got to be pretty close to the bottom. And then when you also look at the division, AFC South, you have the strong emergence of the Texans, even the Colts, for a matter of fact. The yeah. Jags were That's, a disappointment yeah. this season, but you are really fourth in this division right now. Well, it's not even close as far as talent goes. I mean, they're they're the worst team talent-wise by far in this division. We'll get into the other openings that we already knew, dissect uh, their quarterback situation, other cap space, as well as uh, division. We'll do that on the other side of the break. But if you'd like to chime in, you can do so. 602-260-1060. I know we're going a little bit long so far in the hour. We went uh, long with some comments there on head coach Jonathan Gannon. But 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll continue the vacancies around the NFL and the support of uh, the the players as well as uh, what it kind of looks like shaping up in the division. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060.
James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point on this Wednesday, January 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Morsolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays continuing with the NFL conversation regarding the head coaching vacancies around the league. We have known for a while about the Los Angeles Chargers, and we do take a look at their quarterback situation, Justin Herbert, under contract through 2029. Obviously, he has the arm talent. He has the mobility. Uh, Are you still excited about the potential that he hasn't hit his ceiling yet? I'm excited about the potential. I'm disappointed with the results. And it hasn't all been bad head coach, bad coordinator, and he's gone through two coordinators. Uh, it's not all that, but you know, when you know, one of the reasons that they've lost a lot of close games is because he has not performed and made good throws and made some losing throws with the game on the line in the last three seasons. So that's to me been highly disappointing. And obviously this year he had the injuries. Their offensive line is a mess. You know, they've got roster problems as far as just, you know, I don't think it's a very talented roster at this point. They're also in salary cap hell. Uh, the one lure is that obviously Herbert's the quarterback compared to the other teams we've either talked about already uh, with the Titans or the teams we're going to talk about further here. That is the one thing, you know, just the talent level and the ceiling that he has is, is the lure to become the Chargers head coach. The other thing is, you know, ownership has been cheap over the years. Even though you know they they they're they're actually putting a lot of money into their new multi-million dollar you know practice facility and yeah you know, that's been something that's been terrible and I heard somebody yesterday talk about you know they're the second fiddle big time in Los Angeles and with the Rams reemergence this year nobody in LA cares about the Chargers nobody. Yeah, you talked about it. The offensive line needs massive upgrades here, uh, and then you have. The fact that Austin Eckler is hitting free agency. You have big-time contracts with huge cap hits from Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Keenan Allen. And uh, you'd have to think that one, maybe a couple of those players might be cut to try to help with some of that salary cap situation. Then if you look at the AFC West, though, uh, the Chiefs don't seem as, um, as undaunting of a challenge if you can, if you can mount one. I agree with that, but you know, still, I mean, they they've got the you know, homes, and they, I assume that the Chiefs are, whenever they're done this year, whether it's you know this week or whenever it is, uh, their roster is going to look a whole lot different next year than we saw this year, certainly. Uh, so we'll see what that uh, go how that goes. But I think you make a case that uh, you know the Raiders, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, cons- you know, they obviously are looking for a coach, at least if they think they can move on from Antonio Pierce. But you know, I've talked about the Raiders roster not being good. I don't know if the Chargers roster is any better than the Raiders. 
Uh, we'll get to the Raiders here momentarily. Going to the Commanders next. Uh, it's looking very likely now that Sam Howell will not be the guy in Washington. Jacoby Brissett off to free agency as well. You're sitting there with the number two overall pick, likely going in the direction of a quarterback. Uh, but you obviously have to figure out who's going to be the general manager and uh, head coach here. You also have... Uh, some other picks coming in the top 40 because of the trade that you made with Montez Sweat. The commanders should have about $80 million to spend in free agency, so that should help the torn-down defense as well as improve that offensive line. Yeah, those are two areas they obviously have to approve upon. I'm not completely with you on the Howl thing. Uh, I think that he showed a lot this year. Um, and When he has actually time to throw, which is like never – uh, he also he does hold the ball too long, and that's partly because he trusts his running ability, which is really actually good. Uh, so, which I talked about even when he was back in North Carolina in his college days. So, I'm not completely sure that they're going to be moving on from the quarterback spot, but they've got a whole bunch of issues they need to address. Pretty much every area of defense, every line of the defense has to get better. The offensive line. I think there's only like one or two offensive linemen that are really considered NFL-level starters. I will say on the positive side, they've got some good running backs. They've got some really good wide receivers. Uh, and Logan Thomas was certainly a decent tight end. He's got to stay healthy, and he's not a young man anymore. Back from the days where he was drafted as a quarterback uh, out of Virginia Tech when the Cardinals picked him. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see how, how, how all that goes. But, you know, they've got – they got it. I think they're more of an interesting mix of players, in a better mix of players, at least as far as the skill positions, than the the two teams we've already talked about. Yeah, uh, that was going to be my next question about how are you feeling about the playmakers with Terry McLaurin, Johan Dotson, yeah. Brian Robinson at running back. Yeah, and also I don't know what they're going to do with Gibson. Uh, you know, he's a really good pass receiver. It was a, you know, should be because he was a receiver in college for part of his career back in the day. Uh, but, you know, not just that, you know, Curtis Samuel, I don't know what the free agent status of some of these guys are, uh, but they've got, they've got some pieces, uh, you know, certain skilled position pieces. Unfortunately, of uh, the teams we've talked to, uh, talked about, excuse me, the first three teams here, they have the worst combination, I don't think there's any question, of offensive and defensive line. At least the Chargers have some defensive linemen. The Titans have Jeffrey Simmons when, when he's playing, I think is actually the best down defensive lineman in the NFL. We'll continue with the next three coaching vacancies on the other side of the break as we wrap up our number one of this uh, Wednesday, January 10th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. I am seeing here something from Woj that it looks like the Clippers... They're happy with how things are going. Kawhi Leonard has signed a contract extension, and they're working on extension talks with Paul George. According to Woj, their hope is to get them lined up in terms of their contracts and the years. Yeah. So we'll continue to see how that all unfolds. Well, remember last year, I liked the Clippers. If they could stay healthy, I thought they were the real threat to win the Western Conference. Unfortunately, the two main guys couldn't stay healthy, and Leonard went down the second game of the playoffs against the Suns. Finishing up the NFL vacancy conversation next right here on KDOS AM 1060. 
SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. We've been dissecting the NFL coaching vacancies. Made it through the Titans, Chargers, and Commanders. Next up on the list, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Certainly when you dissect this team, at the quarterback position, the answers are not with Desmond Ritter, and they are not with Taylor Heineke. Is it all-in time on quarterback Justin Fields if the Bears are willing to move on from Fields? Also, you have to look, though, at the offensive talent. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier. And I don't know if they were ever really fully unlocked to their offensive potential here. Investment made in the offseason on defense with Jesse Bates. But you're going to need some pass rushers and some corner help. You have $35 million in cap space. Yeah, and I assume I said this last year, though, too. Maybe the last couple of years, Calais Campbell, uh, yeah, it was really good for them this year, and uh, is he going to come back and uh, so forth? Uh, he was a huge addition, and he had a very good season for them on the defensive side of the ball. And you mentioned Bates. Uh, a couple of things. I, you mentioned the quarterback, and you know, the Justin Fields thing is out there, and I don't think there are many NFL people that actually believe the Bears are going to keep Justin Fields and they're going to trade him. He's from Georgia. Uh, so this would seem to be a logical destination for him. Uh, you got to figure out the draft compensation, obviously. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. I believe the Falcons have the eighth, seventh, or eighth pick, something like that, this year. So we'll see if that's enough for the. Uh, you know, I think. You know, I don't think that he's worth the first round pick personally. Uh, in fact, uh, I would think there's almost no chance that he would be worth the first round pick. But we'll see how that goes. I think the one thing that was kind of uh, untalked about much by anybody, including people, unless you're in Atlanta. This offensive line, they put a lot of money in this offensive line, and they did not play with a uh, – didn't play like a high high price tag offensive line this season, including a couple of their studs that they drafted and thought were going to be better or who weren't very good. I realize that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be the representatives for the NFC South, but it really still feels like the division is wide open. Yeah, I agree, even though at this point, maybe we should quit saying that. And I'm saying, I said it too, that, you know, they the Tampa Bay's won three consecutive division championships now. I know Tom Brady was there for the first two, but, you know, Baker Mayfield this year. And I think you can make a case that they really, that some of their players, you know, they've got some stars still and so forth. But, you know, some of their younger players really step up, including White, uh, running back for ASU fame. Uh, and now, you know, I'm guessing, you know, future fortune for that matter. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, some of their younger players really got coached up and they really played well. And I think that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is, uh, they have a bright future. I would have never said that a month ago, let alone before then. So, you know, they, they've got, they've got a lot of good things going for them now. 
The Panthers, uh, their quarterback situation, Bryce Young struggled mightily in his rookie season. 59.8% completion percentage, 2,877 yards, 11 touchdowns. He was sacked 62 times. So also that offensive line is going to need to get addressed. Uh, You know, do you feel good if you're a head coach coming in about being able to revitalize Bryce Young in his NFL career? Or do you feel a bit hampered? Because you've also given up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and DJ Moore in order to select Bryce Young. Your draft options now remain slim for some time. On the defensive side of the ball, J.C. Horn, he shows what he can do, uh, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy for an entire season. You have Derek Brown, you have Brian Burns, but are they going to want out? I think Burns is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, they're, they're a mess. I mean, the, the, between all the things you just mentioned – and the and the nutcase owner, I would want no part of this job if I were an NFL head coaching candidate, unless I had no other option. Uh, you mentioned uh, the owner, David Tepper, already looking for his fourth head coach since he bought the team in 2018. So uh, certainly, and, there a, bu- has been and some a bunch turnover. of general manager and a bunch of general managers too. I mean, this is just a circus. Uh, Yes, it it has been a revolving cast for some time. Then the final team here is the Las Vegas Raiders. Their quarterback situation, what are they going to do at quarterback? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still under contract, and if he's just outright cut, it's $28 million in a dead cap hit. So does he stay around? Did you see enough from Aiden O'Connell to say, hey, he should be the starter moving forward? Then on wide receiver-wise, what's going on with Devontae Adams? He was certainly unhappy all season until Antonio Pierce took over. Then he was advocating for Antonio Pierce. If Antonio Pierce doesn't get the job, what's going to be the status of Devontae Adams and his willingness to stay around in Las Vegas? What happens with running back Josh Jacobs? There's lots of things on that offensive side. Lots of things everywhere. Uh, even though I think that you know, they, I think their defense actually got kind of you know, you know overlooked. Uh, you know, they made a lot of plays. I think that Patrick Graham. I think he's a he should be a head coaching candidate for some of these jobs we're talking about. He did a really good job on the defensive side of the ball, and there are a few teams that got more out of what they had on the defensive side than uh, than he did with the Raiders this year. As far as uh, the quarterback situation. Uh, you know, I don't think that uh, you know the Raiders are. Confi- you know, I imagine hopefully they're not dumb enough to think there can be a contender next year. So you know, so long, forty million dollar cap hit or not, Jimmy G's got to go. Uh, I did not see enough from you know the other you know, options at quarterback and you know O'Connell and so forth. I forgot his name. Uh, the guy that played at Purdue. Aiden uh, O'Connell. You just mentioned O'Connell. That's it. I got it right. Uh, you know, I never thought when he was at Purdue that this dude's an NFL starting quarterback. I didn't see enough uh, to change my mind with uh, the Raiders this year. I think that uh, their quarterback is not there now for next year. And uh, this is another Harbaugh destination possibility, obviously, as a connection uh, from back in the day with the Raiders. Uh, I should also mention that they do have $50 million in cap space uh, to work with if they – uh, don't find a trade partner for Jimmy Garoppolo. If they did, the cap space would go up. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I've said this for years. I mean, he's not good. And the bottom line is, I just, 
is there a team in the NFL that he can actually help at this point? He's not a starting quarterback, even in this day of the age of the NFL. I mean, he, it's, he's just not. He's not good, and he's never been that good. That'll do it for hour number one. Hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break. Super Bowl odds for the teams heading into Super Wild Card Weekend. Do we think any of the remaining teams that are quote-unquote long shots have a chance to be a disruptor? I don't know. We'll see. We'll get into that, plus your phone calls around 12.15 today. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060.